up everybody happy harry hard on once again visiting with you today this um what is this monday morning i'm always up at this hour for some reason well that reason being work i guess <laughs> it's the drive to work that usually gets me thinking about uh certain aspects of my writing certain aspects of writing in general how things influence you things that you've read things that you've seen and how that all affects your writing in the end one of the biggest biggest inspirations and influences that i've ever had has been poetry i always want to uh, to consider myself a comic book poet because uh, throughout my life poetry has always played a major major factor in everything that i've written poetry was always my first love and um i always try to infuse any of my writing with some sort of poetic um i don't know what you would call it a uh, poetic sense because ultimately any sort of writing is um a conversation that you're having with an audience and uh i want those conversations to be interesting i want people to to listen to the to the words in their in their head and be able to make out exactly what i'm trying to say um especially if you're reading it and that's something that poetry has always had the allure to me of when one reads a poem they are locked into that poet's words and uh, the emotion is coming through the passion can flow through the words that the poet chooses that the writer chooses and i've always been attracted to that type of writer the the type of writer that can make me feel something that can invoke a certain emotion within me and those type of writers especially poets are very few and far between in my opinion the uh First poet on top of my list is of course Dylan Thomas. Dylan Thomas will always be my most favorite poet and not just because of what he's written but because of the way he reads his poetry. If you have never heard Dylan Thomas read poetry out loud, it is something to experience because his voice is just mesmerizing. Nowadays as far as the poetry scene is concerned, there's always this kind of rhymey type of um I don't know. I I want to call it a cookie cutter type of reading style that poets have nowadays the rises and falls of uh the voice when when on stage or when there's a slam poet or anything like that going on it it's very unnatural to me because people don't talk that way people don't um, communicate that way and i understand that it's for show i understand that you know these poets are competing so they have to try and get your emotions and try and make you feel what they're trying to say and there's certain accentuations and all this other stuff but uh to me it is um not very good whenever i write poetry i imagine myself reading it aloud to an audience and i want that poem to come across the way that it's written on the page the way that it's in my head And I think that's what Dylan Thomas had when he would read his poetry. It was like it was like he was singing it to his audience almost, but not quite. He was reading it to them um and they he wanted them to experience exactly what he was feeling. Um another poet that comes to mind is of course Sylvia Plath. Oh my god, if you have never listened to Sylvia Plath read her poetry aloud, that in itself is an experience. Robert Frost also but um mostly plath thomas um kerouac now that's a whole other ball game right there cuz kerouac i really really enjoy the way that he reads his um just the beats in his in his vocabulary it's very jazzy and of course that comes from the whole beat generation 
um, I guess the B generation background when Kerouac was around, jazz was very, very popular. And um, if you listen to Kerouac read, you can hear that in his voice. He's it's kind of like a I don't know how he would call it, like a like a melody. Not to say that Dylan Thomas or Sylvia Plath didn't have that sort of melody, but it was very different. Whereas Plath and uh, Thomas were very refined in uh, the way that they read their poetry out loud. Kerouac was more of a of a I don't know how can I put it like a, a ski bop kind of kind of thing, like a jazzy type of thing, like, hey, man, you know, we got to go, and when we go, we're going to go all the way, and it's going to be good, and you're going to enjoy it, and you're going to love this, because it's a ride, baby, ride, and um, that's what I take away from that, and that call, and that's, that calls for something that uh, that's inside you, especially when you want to express yourself, there's this uh, this conception or misconception, however you want to put it, that when you read poetry and you imagine the poet reading it, you never ever want to listen to that poet read their poetry because usually writers don't have that voice. Writers aren't prepared to read their stuff out loud. And when they do, it falls flat and it's very, very sad. That's why audiobooks have people, other people than writers reading them because the, that type of writer or that type of, uh, of uh, conversation that the writer's having with you is more... I guess, leaning towards you reading it rather than being having it being heard. But um, that's just something that needs to be experienced, I guess, firsthand, depending on the writer, depending on the reader, that type of thing. To me, it's always been a letdown to read a piece that is just amazing, that is fantastic, that uh, resonates uh, within your mind. And, you know, it, it hits all the emotional uh, points that you want it to hit, but you read it in your own voice. You read it how you think the writer would read it out loud. In this case, poetry. I'm talking about poetry. The way that a poet would read it out loud in a setting where he has an audience or she has an audience. And I think that's where that sing-songy, cookie-cutter type, um, I don't know what you want to call it. If it's a melody that most uh, slam poets and professional poets use nowadays or maybe it's just slam maybe it's just me maybe i'm just old i don't know but uh, it always seems that they fall into this rhythm that always co you know comes through and it only like i was saying earlier it accentuates certain words and to me that that is not that's not the true voice of the poem the poem in your head will always sound better than read out loud unless it's like those very few occasions, like I was mentioning earlier, earlier, where the author reads this poem and it is true to the original um, emotion that he was trying to evoke within you. A long time ago, I would have uh, discussions with my poet friends about uh, who was the first slam poet that existed in the world. And uh, I don't know. That's a, that's a good question. I always said it was Dylan Thomas. Other people said it was Sylvia Plath, like I mentioned earlier. Those poets are extremely good at what they do my god they are legends and oh man they they are madmen and women that come from different venues in life but uh the poetry that they would write and the way that they would read it just stirred within me so much emotion so much passion to continue my own journey as far as a writer is concerned um, and during my time as a slam poet as a performing poet I met a lot of other poets that uh, would do the same, that would evoke certain emotions within me, 
certain feelings. And these poets usually read in their own style. They didn't read in the marketable, marketable style that is, uh, you know, used nowadays. And I understand that some of it is more leaning towards the uh, performance aspect or rather the competition aspect. I mean, I don't even really know how slams are doing nowadays, especially after this COVID thing and everything. Um, but when I was uh, when I was slamming, you know, it was it was a different ball game. We competed and we were there and we had our original work and we made sure that you felt what we were evoking or trying to evoke within you. Sometimes it feels like a lot of that poetry was written specifically for the audience. And I always, um, I always tried to make sure that the poem was not written for an audience. I wasn't pandering to them. I was truly trying to emote, trying to dig deep into my subconscious, into my soul, <clears throat> and show exactly what I meant by what I was writing. It seems like sometimes people would get carried away with the whole performance or rather the competition aspect of it. Oh, I got to beat you and oh, my poem's going to be better. and It's going to get bigger, bigger points. And, and I always felt that that robbed the meaning of the poem uh, for the audience. It robbed it of what it was truly meant to be, where some of these poets were writing just to get on the board and be recognized as a top performer but the poem itself would not stick. The poem would not resonate with you and stay with you. And that's something that I find very, very important, not just in poetry, but in any sort of writing, that um, what you write stays with that person, that they remember what you've written, because only the greats are remembered. Everything else just kind of falls flat and falls to the side. And, oh, yeah, you remember that poem or that poet that read that poem? Uh, vaguely, where was it at? Oh, at that slam that we went to. Mm, there were so many poets that read that night. I always wanted to be that one poet that resonated at least with someone, with one person. And that person would come up to me afterwards and be like, my God, that poem that you read, I need a copy of it. I need, I need it in my life. I need to reference it later on down the road because what you said, what you wrote, that had an impact on me. And in that essence, why can't comic books be that way? Why can't uh, they be written in a way where it's poetry with images it's it's a comic book but it's more than that it's storytelling and that's something that's very very sacred to me to be able to tell a story through images but at the same time the words fit and move you and give you inspiration and stir within you emotions that can't be um, explained sometimes there's very few books that uh, i remember that do that to me at the top of my list is Blankets. If you guys have never read Blankets, I don't want to ruin it for you. I don't want to talk about it um, unless you've, you've read it. But uh, if you have uh, you the chance, read Blankets. That's the last one that I remember that was truly a comic book poetic uh, piece. Craig Thompson. Craig Thompson is the one that wrote uh, Blankets. It's a little bit uh, dated. So, I mean, I think it's 2003 is when it uh, first came out. And I remember reading it during that time, and my God, it was just beautiful. It was just a beautiful, beautiful story. It's autobiographical, coming-of-age kind of thing. Um, and just, my God, man, the stuff that he writes about, the stuff that he says in that book is something that, uh, that I try to capture in, in my writing. And I think that's a prime example of comic book poetry right there, Blankets. There's, there's quite a few other ones, but Blankets is at the top of my list. So if you ever get a chance... 
If you guys listening to this want to read a piece that will resonate with you and stay with you long after you've read it, then uh, Blankets is, is the way to go. And I intend to do that with my work as well. I want to be able to write something that will stay with the reader, that will stay with the audience long after they have put the book down. Something that will keep them coming back for more. Um, the Cryptonals is part of that. I wrote, wrote the Cryptonals with a lot of passion, with a lot of um, research done into the inner workings of how cryptids and tulpas and storytelling and legends and folk tales work. And I wanted that to come across. I wanted to build a world so that uh, these characters can exist in, and they write themselves basically, and I think that's at the point that we're at right now with the Cryptonals. These characters have taken a life of their own. Each of them could spin off into their own miniseries and do perfectly, perfectly well, and I hope that you guys have been able to pick up the Cryptonals. We're going to try and have a second chance campaign for that, uh, or maybe we'll submit it to Diamond. Who knows? Maybe we'll get it into Diamond and get it into the hands of more people through the distributor, but right now we're still taking it a little bit uh, slowly, trying to build the universe, trying to build uh, the story and make it poetic, make it an epic, make it all those things that you remember good storytelling to be. And it seems like we're doing that. I've gotten a few reviews of the book about the story. I don't want to spoil anything, of course. I'm waiting for everybody to get their copy and then we can you know, talk, um, talk liberally. Lib what the hell am I trying to say? Talk uh, at ease without having to spoil anything. For anyone. Talk at liberty. That's what I'm trying to say. Man, God, I hate it when it's this early in the morning. I forget words. That old timer's disease just hits a different, a little bit different in the morning. And uh, let's, uh, let's go ahead and read a poem. Let's leave you with a, with a poem. Why not? Uh, something a little bit older. Some, a poem that everybody loves, but uh, for some reason, uh, you know, everybody always associates the poem with the poet. And uh, it's not really like that all the time. But uh, this is a very old poem. It's called Testosterone in B Minor. <clears throat> and uh, let's see if I still got it, man. Let's see if I still have it this morning. Testosterone in B Minor. You know, I'm not built for this love shit. I need raunchy-ass hookers and houses to crash and when I get too drunk and trip over the carpet while trying to reach the bathroom before I throw up all over my hands. I need a pistol in my pants so I can hold up the corner liquor store for a cheap thrill wearing a werewolf mask and chanting, I sucked Christ's cock and ate his heart as pigs with pistols in their pockets surround me to reenact my howling butch Cassidy to a standoffish senorita who catches me dead bang in the eyes, running my hands up and down her thighs, oh, pulling pink panties painfully aside as she pouts and sighs while the next morning i'm trying to figure out why she has a hairy lip i need drugs with cool names like crack and smack and acid and blow speed and xm hash tie dyed here for coding fever and failing fielding failing fault fuck i need some crack i need a filthy whore at night to suck it right and a clean pair of boxers after i've come all over her back and set the bitch on fire i need money in my pocket to buy a mickey drink for that pretty young thing at the end of the bar you know the one that spouts poetry and smells like strawberries and has 
has a really nice tit for tat drone in her moan whenever the beat that pounds incessantly envelops her senses. I need to be beat, not a wannabe beatboxing badass blabbering bullshit about beliefs I don't believe, but beat, baby, beat, round, baby, round, not square. I want to howl as I taste the blood of those bastards that choose words anyone can anticipate and manipulate. Why don't you masturbate to true beatific beauty, beatnik frenzy, beatnik cool? I need to be fucked up, beaten like a dog, gunned down in a blaze of two-gun glory that'll leave all those pretenders attending to their wounds, nervous, licking the walls, and lighting cigarettes the wrong way. I need to stop writing meaningless poetry. That fits into every other meaningless facet of failure I fit. I need to live, to forgive, to be rebuilt, to sustain love in my heart. I need to forget about you. And that's a poem that I wrote quite a while ago, but it still, you know, resonates. It still hopefully evokes sense, some sort of sense or emotion in your life. And uh, once again, this is Ray Ramos, a.k.a. Happy Harry Hardon, saying thank you so much for joining me on this uh, Substack podcast. A little bit of a commentary on poetry and uh, how to be a comic book poet. I uh, hope you enjoyed it. Once again, subscribe and all that other good stuff. Look for me on all the platforms. And we will see you very, very soon. As always, stay hard, talk hard, and mech I'll talk to you guys very, very soon.